Hello, and welcome to ICI Digs Deep, sponsored by Rush County Stone Company, Incorporated. Today, we'd like to introduce you to Build Indiana Council's new executive, Brian Gould. Well, hello, it's Richard Hedgecock. Welcome to the latest edition of ICI Digs Deep podcast. And uh, we have with us today, it's kind of exciting, we've got our new director for the Build Indiana Council, Brian Gould. Hi, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Richard. So Brian's at his first week of work this week. Uh, We had a, I guess it was not so quick, not so long uh, (laughs) interview process, honestly. But we put the word out and we were very pleased with the quality of the people that applied and Brian's name quickly rose to the top. And as we went through the process, it became clear that he was the guy. (laughs) And so now he is here. So Brian, thanks again for joining us. Let's talk a little bit about your background. So you're a native Hoosier? Yes. Where'd you grow up? Yeah. So originally from Nashville, Indiana, Brown County. Gotcha. God's country down there in Southern Indiana. It's the right time of year right now it for is. Brown oh, County. Absolutely. I was down there this weekend. It looks, looks really nice. Yeah. So yeah, originally from Brown County, which means you're, you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to go to Indiana University uh, when you move off to college. So went to school there. Once I uh, was finished with school, stayed in the Indianapolis area here for a little while. Had a, a little bit of time away while I was in the military and then came back around the 2012, 2013 and uh, been working back in the Indianapolis area since then. So you've been with the Trade Association, for lack of a better term, for cities and towns, which goes by the name of Accelerate Indiana Municipalities. Right. So yeah, actually uh, interned there my junior year of college, which at that time they were the Indiana Association of Cities and Towns right? and finished an internship there and just kind of always had an interest in local government. My dad was on the town council when I was growing up. So just kind of always had this niche that it, it intrigued me that local government was there what's closest to the people and that impacts their their lives on a daily basis. I always like to say it's the most primitive form of government. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> But it's, you know, we, we all get hyped up on federal politics right now, but it's the local politics. That's where you're getting your streets paved. You're getting your roads plowed. That's, right. uh, that's where you're getting your trash picked up. It impacts people on a daily basis. So that's where I really got the interest in local government. And really, you know, as we were just saying, what kind of attracted me into this area that I'm at right now, my senior year at IU, I interned out in Washington, D.C. for the U.S. Conference of Mayors. And I was a public affairs intern. So I show up in D.C. all excited to be in the Capitol. you change the world. I'm going to change the world. One federal legislator at a time. Uh, so I, I get out there and uh, I'm shown my cubicle and there's a stack of newspapers and they say, all right, go through here. And uh, anything you see related to local government, you're going to cut it out, paste it on this paper. And uh, that's your job. So I went through that for a few weeks, and uh, thankfully, the lobbyist at that organization who worked on transportation and transit and infrastructure matters poked his head into my cubicle one day and said, hey, I'm going up to the hill. Why don't you come up with me? So I got to tag along and kind of experienced that. And that's, I think, you know, when you're young, you're in college, about to get out in the real world, that's what you really want to see. And that's what really drew me into this sector that I'm in now. So even my time with AIM, I guess my wheelhouse was road infrastructure, utilities, environmental, fiscal matters. So even five or six years lobbying in the state house with them, it was very much on this sector of of what BIC does. Right. So you were with AIM early in the 2000s. Right. And then you went to the United States Army. 
Correct. So what made that change? Yeah, I took a little hiatus there. You know, it was something I always thought about doing. Uh, when I was in high school, I was kind of on the fence of, I want to join the army, but I also I feel like I should go to college. And was your dad in the military? What yeah. was the draw yeah. there? So that, that was part of it. My dad, both my grandfathers were in the military. So there was a little bit of that sense of obligation to serve my country. Uh, we were also, you know, the Iraq and Afghanistan war going on. So it was just in the back of my mind, this is something I've always wanted to do. And at that time, you know, I'd been with cities and towns for about four years, I'm 25. And it's all right, it's now or never. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be able to do this when I'm 30. You know, I'll be right. too old for it. So I uh, decided to sign up, join the army and went through about a year of training for basic training. I was at Fort Knox and uh, learned to work on tanks and then went through officer school and got commissioned and then finished three more years in, in the army and got married. Wife was ready for kids and to move back on to bigger, better things. So came back over to the private sector side and came back to then IAC, now AIM, Accelerate Indiana Municipalities, and have been there since that time. So when you were in the service, what specifically were you doing? Yeah, so I uh, went to Fort Knox, like I said, I learned armored tanks. So the big cannon tanks that you see, you know, what you picture a tank, that was it. When I had completed my year's worth of training, I ended up at Fort Irwin, California. It's a national training center. So any unit that would deploy overseas, whether it's Iraq or Afghanistan, they would come there for about a month. And my job with my platoon and my company, we would train them up for that. Got and it. it started with the individual training all the way up to squad, platoon, company level training. So it was a lot of playing the bad guy. A lot of what we see really? at Miskatatuck here in Indiana. And that was another you know, thing I wasn't expecting. I got out there and they said, all right, you probably won't see a tank for a while. Grow a beard. We're going to get you Rosetta Stone so you can learn some Arabic. And we just replicated what the battlefield was. Wow. Yeah. So I got to spend three years in the Mojave Desert and Death Valley. Not exactly what I was anticipating, but looking back, it was a uh, you know, great opportunity. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Rush County Stone Company was established in the 1950s to provide crushed stone to the commercial and non-commercial market segments of Rush, Decatur, Fayette, Henry, and Shelby counties in Indiana. Their products are produced to meet and exceed NDOT specifications. To learn more about Rush County Stone Company, give them a call at 800-521-7625. Okay, so you came back to AIM. Yep. And was that the point when you started really focusing on the infrastructure issues? Yeah, so when I came back to AIM, wasn't we're a smaller group, kind of like BIC is um, and, and ICI is. So it's kind of a jack of all trades. Everyone wears multiple hats within the organization. So when I first started back on my second go around, I wasn't technically a lobbyist, but I was doing some work with legislators and in the state house and with state agencies like IDEM and NDOT. The last five years, I did serve as our government affairs director. So I was specifically in there for that lobbying purpose. And that really came about because of two reasons, road funding, and then also water infrastructure funding. That again was kind of my wheelhouse within our organization. We saw the road funding package coming. We knew it was going to be a buildup in 2015, 16, and 17. Right. So I was excited to get involved with it in that, that aspect. So we got road funding accomplished. Still some work to be done on it and protect some of what we've got right now. Right. There's still going to be a lot of changes to come in the near future and obviously in the long term, some complete changes to how, how we do road funding, not just in the state, but nationally. And then, you know, a year or two after that, we got a large water infrastructure package passed as well. 
So here I am, I've, I've come in in my first five years, I've conquered the state house. I've got my two big initiatives taken care of and started thinking about, well, well, what's next? You know, I've been thinking about trying to further my education. So started working on my MBA about a year ago through Colorado State University. Quickly realized it's going to be a lot to keep this role, go to grad school. Uh, I've got three kids that keep me busy with sports and, and school and especially e-learning this year. So decided to step back from that role as lobbyist, focus on education. That's where we got to this summer. Uh, I was about a year into my program, not anticipating any changes coming anytime soon. Vicky had reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I just want to make sure you know this opportunity, this, you know, what's, what's coming out there. And I thought, oh, man, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, this is what I was hoping would be an opportunity for me two years from now when I finish school or a year from now when I finish school. And I can't pass this up. This is something that I think, one, I, th I feel like I'm a great fit for this. Two, I'm really going to enjoy this job and not just what the job entails, but the people I'll get to work with. This is just a, personally, I feel like it's just a great fit for me. So you came into it knowing, all right, I got to get through this one year. <laughs> if I can make through this one year, right, right. I'll be good to go. Yeah. So thankfully I got a little bit ahead of schedule. Actually, you know, if you look for the silver linings this year in the pandemic, yeah, being stuck at home allowed me the opportunity to take a few more courses than what I was expecting. Oh, so good. Yeah. when I was thinking I would do this over a two and a half, three year process, I got through year one, I'm over halfway done. But that being said, I know during session, yeah. it's, a, it's a busy time, you yeah. know, so I'll probably take a little lighter load this spring. And this spring. session will be weird too. We don't really know how it's going to work as far as the, you know, hanging out at the Capitol and, exactly. and, and right. finding out intel just by running into people in the hallway. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how that's all going to work. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are still waiting to try and figure that out. That's kind of my modus of operation. That's how I, how I do things. I'm typically, I'm in the hallway from 9 a.m. when legislators are rolling in until 7, 8 o'clock when they're leaving. And that's probably not going to happen this year. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, legislators are going to be working out of the convention center, the government buildings, the state house. So there's going to be a little more chasing around. We're also, you're not going to see a lot of the after uh, session activities. I don't think we'll see as many dinners, big right. events, receptions. So it's going to be a lot more of that personal contact of texting, phone calls, emails. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a very different process this year. And probably, I will say this to listeners, relying more on grassroots networks Absolutely. and developing those and getting people to make contacts as we need them to. Absolutely. And that's, that's critical, especially, again, we're not really sure what the committee process is going to look like. Right now, legislators are in one room stakeholders, people that want to testify are in a completely different room coming in through Zoom right. or Skype or whatever process they're going to use. So the ability for our members to send a quick text message or an email, it's going to be critical for the upcoming session. Yeah, right. You touched on it and I don't want to put you on the spot, <laughs> but we feel relatively confident about the highway in dot construction budget. Mm -hmm. And yet, right. we, we don't know. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of pressure this year. Absolutely. You know, and, and from where I was coming from with AIM, the first impacts that we felt on the local government side this year from the pandemic was road funding. Sure. MVH and LRS distributions were down. That was the first thing we saw, and they were down anywhere from 35 to 40%. And that obviously impacts the NDOT budget just the same. So the good news is those numbers have been trending back up. We're still lower than what we anticipate. Again, we don't know what the next six months or year looks like as far as travel and how much uh, fuel is going to be consumed and what that means for budget forecast. What we do know 
The state budget, they've had to eat up quite a bit of the reserves. They are forecasting that, you know, they're going to have to make some additional cuts and trim down a little bit on some of the state agencies. We also know that leadership is looking at the flexibility fund that is there, that money that, you know, from the road funding package would have been going into the funding formula. That's on the table right now. And they may be pulling that back like they they did earlier this year. It's going to be a little bit of defense, at least for this coming year, maybe the next two years. Local governments, their budget hits won't come till 2022. Right. So we've got a couple years ahead of us that we need to be very cautious, protect what we've got. And I think it's also critical to relay to legislators that if gas consumption's already down, we're already taking a hit. That's right. So if you come in and you take more out of the budget for the state agencies, that's another hit on top of it. And that's going to add up. Of course, our biggest arguments always are the two keys to any strong economy are a well-educated workforce and the ability to move goods, services, and ideas. Exactly. So the fact that we, we are one of those... Right. And that we rely primarily on user fees as opposed to general fund dollars. Right. Put us in a, in a good position, but you don't want to be overconfident. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I'm going to say it again. When Brian sends you something <laughs> or when I send you something or any of us send you something and ask you to take the time to pick up the phone, send an email, jot a note, Whatever it might be, take the two minutes to do that. We cannot stress enough how important your involvement is in getting the message across about the importance of transportation funding. Absolutely. And, and I think my last closing thought with that is, I just want to make sure everyone knows, I have an open door. I'm always here. No bit of information is too small. When you have conversations or you reach out to your legislator, let us know about that. Because that helps a lot. And that helps us if we can know who we need to target, where the relationships are. If you have a great conversation with your legislator and they say, you know, I'm fully supportive of road funding this year, I don't want to cut anymore, uh, or we got to find some way to make this up, that's critical information for us to have. That's great. Yep. That's great. Yeah. Good close. All right. Thanks, Brian. We're super excited to have you on board and look forward to this session. Great to be here. Thanks. Thank you again to our guests, Brian Gould and Richard Hedgecock, as well as our sponsor, Rush County Stone Company. To learn more about Rush County Stone Company, give them a call at 800-521-7625. Join us every Friday during your morning commute to hear safety talks, member spotlights, and inside information about the infrastructure and transportation construction industry. This has been ICI Digs Deep. Let's break ground together. Together.